Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Now in chapter 2 of Malachi, we just saw that the Lord fired the corrupt priest and got him out from the temple. And now here in chapter 3, he expects the tithes to be brought back into the storehouse again so that the new purified priesthood can get back to work leading the nation before God in righteousness. It started with the priests. The priests were causing people to sin. I'm going to clean up the priest line. Y'all need to get the storehouse full with food again. These guys should not have to go find other jobs to do. They've got a lot of work they need to do leading the nation so that you can all get back right with me. Remember, Israel asked, how do we get back right with you? He says, bring the tithes back in the storehouse. Oh, I see it now. I see it. We're going to restore Israel back walking correctly. This is what is going to bring back a blessing for Israel again. But they first had to seek the kingdom, and then all these things would be added to them. And so, this is God's answer to Israel's question of, how do we return? By not withholding tithes from the Lord. Get it back in the storehouse of the temple. It'll get the temple back in order. Then the blessings will come. It's God saying, return to me and I will return to you. Israel's blessing awaited obedience. Malachi 3 and 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Isn't that good? All the nations are going to look at you and go, wow, look how good y'all got it. And it's going to make people wonder, how in the world did you do this? Uh, The God, our God of of Israel did this. It's going to make his name known, and it would probably get some people uh, to believe, right? This is just so good. If Israel would return, the Lord would actually get rid of the devourer, the pests that destroy crops. God would rebuke them, keep them out of their crops so that their food would grow a lot of, their crops would grow a lot of produce. Now, here's where the abundance of blessing comes that there's not enough room to hold it. But it was prerequisite based on their returning back to the Lord and first giving the food into the storehouse. Now, you may be in a scenario where you look at your crops and go, my crops aren't doing that good. My crops aren't doing so well. How can I fill the storehouse when I don't have good crops? This is where the faith comes in. Get the storehouse full, and I will get your crop full. Well, no, God, get my crop full first, and then I will fill the storehouse. No. God said, fill the storehouse, and then I will bless you so good you won't have enough room to hold it. God is pushing Israel into faith. Faith. Don't act based on what you got right now. My crop doesn't look good. God, sorry, can't give. God's like, your crop doesn't look good because you don't give. See that? So, God would rebuke the pestilence, the devourer. 
And so again, we see God as a God of restoration at work on an entire nation. Remember recently we read about how the Lord restored Naomi? She had gotten so bitter and hostile and and mad at God, and he restored her. Well, now he's not only able to restore the individual, he can restore an entire nation. I'm praying for all of us individually that we get restoration from God, but I'm also praying for the United States, praying for the world. And it may not be an economic restoration, but at least a spiritual restoration for many people. I pray for that all the time. Malachi 3 and 13. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. What in the world is going on? Okay, their words had a tone to it that denied the promise that God had just given them in verse 10 through 12. When he said, try me in this, remember, he says, try me in this and see if I will give so much blessing, you ain't going to be able to contain it all. And the people were rejecting that promise by saying, it is useless to serve you. It's useless to serve God. What profit is there to keep his ordinance? What good does it do me to, do, to follow the Lord? They were more concerned that sinners weren't being punished. If you see, look at what they said. What uh, those sinners should be punished over there. I forget that they're a pun- uh, sinner themselves, but those sinners were being punished. They said, For those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. They're thinking, This don't sound right. Why are they getting away with it? They should be dealt with, God. <laughs> be careful saying that. We're a sinner too. They don't realize they're all sinners, and God is trying to get them to turn back to him. They were all denying the Lord, and they didn't even know they were doing it. Spiritual blindness, thinking that worship and service to the Lord was useless and that it had no result to it whatsoever. I've been asking a lot of friends, I, a lot of people, come to a church, eh, I, don't, I ain't got time. That's my day to sleep in. It's to this, it's to that, it's to whatever. Yeah, they got all these reasons. And I'm like, there's a benefit to this, guys. There's a huge benefit to this. Serving the Lord has a good result. And the people were here were doubting it. They felt they'd done their part. They felt they were the ones that were right and that God was wrong. We did our part. We did all our little required stuff. There, here's a sacrifice. We did it. Forget the fact I stole it from somebody. Forget the fact that my sacrifice is sick or blind, and forget the fact that we're not really tithing in the storehouse to keep the priest going. But to me, I felt like I did my part. Check the box. They did their part, but God wasn't keeping his part of the bargain. And so they were walking as mourners, they said. That we're walking as mourners. We've done all this stuff, and what benefit is there to serving God? So now we're going to mourn. Oh, oh God, we've done everything. Where's our blessing now? And now they're mourning. God informed them that their opinion of him was harsh. He said, your words are harsh against me. Their heart wasn't right, and they were disobedient. And the level of legalism, the the disobedience had gotten so bad that they were deceived into thinking that wicked people were prospering, arrogant people were blessed, and those that confronted God head-on were escaping judgment. And God just told them, by saying this, you speak against me. By even saying these words, you speak harshly against me. 
So do you think the Lord got through to him? After all this, you think he got through? Let's see. (laughs) Malachi 3 and 16. Then those who feared the Lord, oh, look at this. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels. I, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Okay, I want us to carefully observe the text. Who does it say spoke to one another? Everybody? No, not everybody. Who does it say? It says those who feared the Lord. That is only a certain select group of people. Those who feared the Lord. They are considering, they're speaking to one another, they're considering what the Lord has said. And so who did God hear? Did God hear everyone? No. Did he hear the entire nation? No. Who does the Bible say, who does it say that the Lord listened to? Listened to those who feared him. That is a very, very important detail to observe for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. And so the Lord said of those who feared him, they shall be mine. There's a lot of people that don't fear the Lord. They test the Lord and whatever. They think there's no benefit to serving the Lord. Those are the people who don't value anything of righteousness at all. You don't see them praying. You don't see them walking with Christ. They, well, I'm a Christian, but they don't do anything that God has said for them to do. They, they don't see the benefit. Who, who's the people God are going to listen to? The ones who fear him. And so the Lord said of those who fear him, they will be mine. I will make them my jewels. I will spare them. This fear that they had, this is the response that God was looking for. This is the response that God desired from him, from them. All his, all his people, God desires this. And verse 16, it says, a book of remembrance was written before him, before the Lord. Now, this indicates that a permanent re- remembrance of their faithful response to the Lord a record would be kept written in heaven. It's going to be kept in heaven. It's like the book of life. Your name is written before the Lord in heaven. It was kept written as a book of remembrance so that when judgment had to be executed, he would remember and spare them. It's written, you're mine. You're my jewel. You're my jewels. Notice verse 17. On the day I make them my jewels. Friends, the day of the Lord is coming. I've got a lot of friends that have been telling me lately, well, Ray, you know, just because the Bible's your thing doesn't mean it's my thing. You might like Star Wars. I like Star Trek. You might like Chevy. I like Ford. You might like check. You know, you I like vanilla. I like chocolate. You know, Ray, not everybody likes the same things you like. And to me, that's a weak argument because the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming and he's going to come to those who fear him who have bowed the knee to his name and believed upon him and spare them. This isn't about ice cream and movies and trucks. This is about the Lord. Drive a Honda. I don't care. But when the Lord comes, there's going to be a day of judgment. No Honda is going to come and bring judgment to you. 
No movie is going to bring judgment to you. The Lord will. This isn't about your thing, my thing. This is about what's your eternal destiny going to be. God will spare them as his jewels. The day of the Lord's coming will be a day of judgment on the wicked, but it's going to be a day of deliverance for the righteous. Which way do you want? It's up to you. And this is that the Lord said here in Malachi, responds to his covenant promise from Exodus 19 and 5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. A special what? Treasure. Jewels. Oh, listen to that. (laughs) A special treasure. When you consider all the things you own, think about the stuff that you own. You have a house, you have a car, maybe you have some land. I don't know. Maybe you got some stocks put away somewhere. But if you own any jewels, those are extra precious to you. Jewels are. So now can you imagine all the riches that the Lord God already has? He made everything there is. So what could there possibly be in existence that the Lord would value like jewels? Of all that he has, what would the Lord consider to be like jewels? Those who fear the Lord are like jewels to him. Did you know that as a believer in Messiah Jesus, you fear the Lord, you've bowed to him. You're among all creation. You're a jewel to him. He said he would make Israel a jewel. And I keep going back to the grafting in thing. I'm not trying to steal Israel's verses. I'm grafted in with this. We're very special, holy, set apart. And so we can make application for ourselves in that even Gentiles who believe in Messiah Jesus as partakers of the Jews' spiritual things can be jewels to God. And God loves our love and our submission. Proverbs 9 and 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You know, that's how we get the understanding to be able to discern the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not, as the Lord said. Because after you come to fear him, he will give that discernment. You'll know what right and wrong really is. You turn on the TV, they're debating what's right and what's wrong, and everybody's fighting about it. We say this is right. Well, no, we say this is right, and the argument's never going to end. It's never going to be done. But in the Lord, in the ways of righteousness, through the Holy Spirit and dwelling, we can be given the discernment of what right and wrong really is. We know who really serves the Lord and who doesn't. And many people today, they don't have a fear of the Lord. They don't have the godly discernment to know that they're actually being hostile against Him while they think they're okay. We think we're saved. We, we're saved. We're fine. But the way they speak has a hostile tone against the Lord, and they don't even know they're doing it. And that's kind of where Israel was here. How do we come back? Well, if we can come back, how? Guys, we got to show them how. You realize the Lord is making examples out of us to show people how? The Lord is like, I'm going to show people what it looks like for a sinner to come back. People know what I've done. I bump into, I live in Alvin, the same town I've lived in for my whole life. I've been there long enough to know a lot of people. And I've also been there long enough to know there's people that remember who I used to be. And they see me and they go, oh, I can see that look on their face. That's him, that guy that used to do that and used to do this and made a name for himself in, in these circles. And and then, hey, oh, hey, Ray, how you doing? Oh, gosh, he made eye contact with me. Hey, Ray, how you doing? Oh, fine, how are you doing? Uh, what have you been up to these days? And somehow we end up on Jesus. I don't know how that works, but we do. And I tell them I'm a pastor. And when I tell them that, they go, you? 
and it daggers them. And I said, yeah. As a matter of fact, I started my first day of ministry on April Fool's Day. That reminds me of my place. And they're just bewildered. And, and then they start realizing, well, how did God, how did, I said, I'm glad you asked. And boy, we go gospel hard now. And they realize, well, if God can do that with, with Ray Jensen, maybe he can do something with me. You know, there's a lot of people that speak hostile against the Lord and they don't know they're doing it. We need to show them. I don't want to be like these people that speak hostile against the Lord. As he said in verse 5, back in verse 5, he says, He will be a swift witness against the wicked and against those who turn away an alien. Did you see that? Those who turn away an alien, a foreigner, who will not accept a foreigner. Why do you think that turning away aliens, why do you think that turning away foreigners angers the Lord? First, because they do, because they do not fear me, he said. And I also have to consider that I was once the foreigner. I was once the alien, but Jesus accepted me. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That foreigner that you were can be saved. And God doesn't like it when we turn foreigners away. It makes him mad. And he even put it in here as one of his charges against Israel. But this is good news that I can be accepted, that even I, the Gentile alien, the Gentile foreigner, I'm not a Jew. I'm not an Israelite. And and for the longest time, they thought the blessings of salvation was only for their nation. I can be grafted in and saved too. Even the foreigner is not turned away. But we did see in Malachi that the Lord was warning the lawless about a coming judgment. This was about the lawless. And here comes the, for any unbelievers that are listening to me, On the radio, this verse ought to scare you. It ought to put the fear of the Lord in you. It did it to me. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Guys, that's the verse that scared me because I thought, well, maybe I'm one of these guys. Hey, Lord, look at all the things we did. We even call you Lord. Aren't we doing all these great stuff? He goes, yeah, but I I never knew you. You, you. You never bowed to me. You never submitted to me. You never believed upon me. We never had relationship. You were just doing stuff that you thought was right. You had no discernment to do what was truly right. And the tone of your voice spoke hostile against my name. I never knew you. You thought you were doing right, but you weren't. I never knew you depart. You who practice lawlessness. And that's what God's been dealing with in this, in this chapter, in this book. Dealing with the lawless. And so, but this is where my wisdom and, and began. The fear of the Lord hit me. And that's where the wisdom began. That's where my discernment kicked on. Ray, you're doing wrong. Stop it. You got, you, well, how do I turn? I don't know. Lord, how do I turn? He showed me. But I had to have the discernment. And that's when it kicked on was in Matthew, uh, this Matthew 7 verse. He told me I was sinning. I had to get right. But we have to be thankful that God keeps his promises because it makes me ask the question, why would God even bother to keep Israel after all this sinful mess? Why would he even bother to keep them around? Because God is a loving forgiving God who makes covenant and he makes promises. And when he makes them, he keeps them. And even though Israel had sinned greatly, God had promised to do something big 
through them. Here's another promise. Romans 11.26, the deliverer will come out of the United States of America? No. Australia? No. Name a country? No. Unless you bring up Zion, which is in Israel, the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. The God of Israel is a God of covenant. Covenant promises he will not break. So now do you see why God will keep Israel? This is why God will keep Israel. He said he's going to do things through them. He made promises through them. So now let me relate this back to us. Why would you, why would God even bother to keep you? I sinned. You know you did. Why would God even bother to keep us? Because he has offered you a promise too. Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call on the name of the Lord, you're under promise. You're under covenant, and God will fulfill that covenant. And you wonder, why God, God why do you put up with me? Because he says, because I made promises with you through my son. That's not a reason to abuse grace. That's a reason to submit to it and thank, be thankful for it and have reverence for it and to change our tone that we have with God. Now, if you believe this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you will believe this, Malachi 3, verse 1, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, the Lord will suddenly come to his temple. The Lord will come to his temple. How? By indwelling those who believe him with his Holy Spirit. We are the temple. The Lord will come to his temple. That's why I say you're not worthless. You are priceless like jewels to the Lord God himself. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Father, we thank you for your covenant promises, Lord God. Wow. Of all the universe there is out there, we, of all things, are your jewels. I'm a jewel that took a lot of polishing up, though. (laughs) Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. Thank you that of all the things you could have looked at besides me, you chose us. You chose to come for us, your people. You came for your people, Israel. And no matter how bad they messed up, you dealt with it through covenant. You dealt with it by repentance, and the book of remembrance was written for those who feared you. But Lord, you offered it. Teach us, Lord God, how to have reverence to your name through our giving, through our sacrifice, the continuation of ministry with all of us, Lord. We all take the gospel out so that those among us can understand. Lord, we, you gave us discernment so that we can conduct our lives properly, so that we can serve you right, and so that we can despise and repent and walk away from what's wrong. Lord, thank you for fixing my heart that spoke hostile against you, against your name. Because for a time, Lord, I asked, how do I come back? Well, Lord, what am I doing wrong? Like the Israelites were asking here, there's people doing things wrong. Lord, deal with them. No, Lord, deal with me. Thank you, Lord, that you dealt with me. Keep me at bay because people are watching, and it's my responsibility as a priest working in your temple to be a sacrifice myself. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life 
is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.